today's message, Giving the Heart of the Father. Psalms 35, 27, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually that the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So God literally takes pleasure when he sees his people prospering. But in all reality, how many fathers, that is just the nature of a father to see their children prospering, is it not? I mean, when your children get promoted, when they get uh, a raise, you know, not too many fathers say, well, that's not good. Most fathers that are right in, in their mind, right mind, they're going to say, hey, that is so awesome. Well, guess what? Your heavenly father, even more so, he takes literally pr- pleasure in you and I prospering. So if you are struggling financially, if you are struggling about a healing, about a relationship, about anything in your life, this is nowhere or no shape or form to condemn you. But this is what you need to know, and I need to know. If we're struggling in an area, it's because we don't know enough truth or believe enough truth or have enough truth. Two out of whatever is in here. I think it was only one the first service, so we're doing better. By next week, we'll get four or five. But anyway, I'm saying this because of this. If you're struggling, you say, well, you know, how about the, the devil factor? Okay, let's take the devil, because a lot of people say, well, I'm struggling because of the devil. Well, let me just, again, refer you back to the gospel, to the word of God. It says in Luke 10, 19, behold, I've given you power to trample, to have authority over all of the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. I'm not saying that you get attacked, you know, and boom, you get punched or whatever, or whatever happens, but this is what I am saying. If you know enough of who you are in Christ... If you know enough uh, and have a a relationship of who God is, your father is, then you're going to come and rise up above any attack because who's greater, the devil? I mean, is the devil just so powerful and he's just really? No, sweetheart, he's, he's nowhere even in the radar scope of God. So therefore, he shouldn't be so powerful in your mind. I said he shouldn't be powerful in your mind. Healing is greater than any germ that may attack you. (laughs) And prosperity is greater than any financial difficulty that the enemy or that the world says that you have to, oh, we're going through a recession. Well, I'm not going to go through that. I'm not going to go through a recession. Well, we're in a recession. Well, you may be in it, but I'm not in it. I'm going to refuse to participate. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what am I saying? I said, I think in the area of finances is where the church as a whole in general, not this church, but a church as a whole, uh, their beliefs have been smothered. They've been even deceived. You know, I grew up in church and literally was taught that money was wicked and evil while most of the men in that church worked over 40 hours and overtime trying to get more of this evil, wicked stuff that they call money. But uh, money in itself is not wicked. I will say this. Money just tells you what kind of person you are. If you were stingy before you got money, you'll be stingy after you get money. If you were generous before you got money, you'll be generous after you get money. So money just tells on you. 
Okay. But let me just say this. You will never live above your belief system. John Maxwell says this. He's got a great uh, teaching on called the law of the lid. The lid is this. This is what you believe about yourself, and you will never be able to believe above that. You will just believe or your life will come up to your belief system. So if you don't believe that God wants you to prosper, that's where, you, no matter what the word of God says, no matter what he's done for you, no matter how big a price he's paid, you will always live up to your belief system. So what, what's the deal? Most of the church nationwide believe that God doesn't want you to prosper because, you know, uh, money is evil when it says the love of money is the root of all evil, the love of money. And you can be living under a bridge with zero money and have that going on in your life. So it's your belief system. You're not going to, so this is my job as a pastor is to raise and elevate our belief system to open up our eyes to what God has done for us, already done for us, so we can have that manifested in our daily life. How many think that's a good thing? Amen. Amen. So, and let me just say this, because there's so many times in my life when I've been believing for finances, so to speak, and I just say, God, I just feel like I don't have enough faith. And the devil has pulled that card out every time on me and my past. And finally, I just know a truth. Are you ready for this? Every single person that's born again has enough faith for finances. I'll tell this side. Every person that's born again has enough faith for finances. I'm still not feeling it. I'm going to tell the whole church. I'll tell the people online. If you're watching online, if you believe in Jesus, you have enough faith for finances. Amen. We're getting there. Deuteronomy 8.18 says that God has given us power to get wealth. So obviously, and we talked last week, where wealth is, you know, there's poverty. There's just barely getting by, getting your needs met. And there, there's abundance, and then there's wealth. That is the biggest. That God, you know why God wants us to prosper? He wants the church to be able to finance the gospel throughout all of the world, which includes Pueblo, which includes Africa. That's why we're believing for $50 million so we can build a university in Africa, so that we can build a youth center for our city, and so we can move into a big building for Rocky Mountain Family Church. It takes money to do that. And God says, I have provided my family wealth to be able to do that, to finance his kingdom, to be a blessing and have so much wealth that you are a blessing to everybody around you and you're blessed just by going on the journey. Man, this is good. This is good. But you'll never rise above your beliefs. So there's going to be some people here, maybe some people watching that they don't totally have a grasp on God really wants me to prosper. So we're going to try to knock that in the head today. But let me just say this. In 1 Timothy 5, 8, I didn't give them this scripture, but I've always thought this, that uh, if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The King James Version says, you're worse than an infidel. Infidel just sounds terrible. It just, you're worse than an infidel. And I used to think, man, I just got to make sure that I'm providing. I just got to make sure that I'm doing this. Let me ask you something. Does God live according to his word as well? Okay. So 
God, are you ready? He's held accountable for this scripture as well. I got a lot more response in the first service. Your heavenly father will always make sure that he has provided for his own. I said your heavenly father will always make sure that he provides for his own. Why? Because he is not going to be categorized as somebody who's an unbeliever or an infidel. So he's going to make sure that his household, his family is well provided for. Can you say amen? amen. Woo! I know that um, most of you are familiar with the story of David when you know, he was, he was blessed. He was a, a prosperous king. The nation of Israel was blessed when he was a king. And then later uh, years when he was the king, you know, the army went out and he was really supposed to go with them, but he stayed back. And so he was at the top of his palace walking on the roof and everything. And you know the story he saw Bathsheba. And uh, so he committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then he had his, her husband murdered because she became pregnant. I mean, it was just a really sad story. But this is the heart of your father. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 8, it says this. This is when God confronted David through the prophet Nathan. This is how God responded to his wrongdoing. He said, I gave you your master's house and his wives, and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, listen to this. If that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. That's the heart of the Father. In other words, he said, David, you could have came to me any time. I mean, at that culture, at that time, you know, you have more than one wife. They had many, many. I mean, Solomon had, what, six or seven hundred? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Thank God we live in 2018. Anyway, I'm not going to say anything about that, but I'm just thankful. I mean, can you imagine six or seven? Anyway, let's stick to the message. All right, but this is what God said. He said, I would have given you many more. I would have done whatever you I would have given you much more. That is the heart of the Father. But now we have religious people saying, you know, God doesn't want you to have that. And God, you better be careful because you're going to do that. Because look at Solomon. I mean, Solomon got all of that wealth. And, and because he had that wealth, it drew all these foreign women to, to want to be his wife. And they made covenants. And so that was his downfall. I, I thought about this. And you know what? Because then you could say, if you trade, this is what... If you're, if you're not knowing the heart of the father, this is how you can trace it back. He had all these foreign women who caused him to, to chase after false gods. So he had all these foreign women because he had all this money, and he had all this money because God gave it to him. So if you draw that all out, so what are you saying? Oh, it must be God's fault that he fell. So most people will say, well, then bless God. God, don't give me too much money that... I'll be like Solomon. Can I just be, let's just be, take off the religious filter. If he did not have the money and all the wives, he still would have fallen. Uh, what's the deal? His relationship with God is what fell. Really didn't have anything to do with the money. And to be honest with you, really didn't have anything to do with the women. 
It's because his relationship with God just went off to the side and he could do this on his own. He was relying on his own. You know, we've talked about in this church about self-righteousness. If you're trying to do to become, if you're trying to do to become righteous, that's called self-righteousness. You can take that in any area that God has blessed you and me. In the area of healing. I'm just doing all, I'm really getting a hold of the word and I'm quoting the word. I'm just doing this and bless God. I'm just believing I'm going to receive healing because of what I'm doing. If you're doing to try to become, if you're not careful, I'm not saying that you're not supposed to get a hold of the word, obviously. But if you're not careful, it's easy to fall into self-righteousness and even trying to believe for healing. It's because you think you're doing enough. There's going to be all kinds of people getting set free today. I just feel it in my bones. <laughs> Let's take it to the financial realm. I've taught my kids to be strong, hard workers, to have a strong work ethic. I've really believed that. Having said that, you can take that to the extreme and say, I work so hard and I've done this and I've gotten this degree and I'm getting this money and I'm doing this and I'm prospering by my own hand. You can become self-righteous even when it comes to the realm of finances. We have to trust God for everything. You trust God to get saved, to be born again. It's all because of him, by his grace. By his grace, you're saved. By his grace, you're healed. By his grace, you prosper. Everybody say, by his grace. grace. It's an important thing. I woke up early this morning and I was talking to God about the message and just excited about it. And I wasn't even thinking about this scripture, John 3.16, the most popular scripture on the planet. You can go to any sports activity and see John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him shall not, shall not, shall not, but have everlasting life. And I thought, yeah, that scripture just rose up inside of me. We're early this morning and... uh, the Lord said that it's not just, that scripture is not just to get you to heaven. And he says, you've just thought about that in the salvation realm of getting you to heaven. Shall not perish. In other words, you won't go to hell, but you'll go to heaven. He said, there's more in there. He said, there's people that are perishing when it comes to their relationships and their marriage. There's people that are perishing in their physical body because of the unhealthy body that they have. They're perishing. And he also said there are also people perishing because of their financial poverty or the lack of finances in their life. They're perishing. I went, wow. I've never thought of John 3.16 as, man, that's just a slap you upside the head in every area of your life. Are you hearing me? God sent Jesus so you would not perish in Pueblo or any place on this planet. Whether it's your healing, whether it's your relationships, whether it's your finances, he is saying that I sent Jesus so there would be no perishing in any part or any area of your life. Man. Well, it's how you see yourself, though. It's how you see yourself. 
You know, the lion, I love lions. And uh, when I go to any zoo, uh, I'm going to be looking for the lions. That's my number one animal that I like to see. And the, the thing is with the lion, how many know that the lion in the animal kingdom, first of all, they're the king of the, of the jungle. That's not just a saying. They are the king of the jungle. How many know they're not the biggest? How many know they're not the tallest? How many know they're not the, even the wisest animal in the animal kingdom? But yet, but yet, they are still the king. Why? The mentality of the lion is inside of him that that's what he is. He acts like it, walks like it, roars or talks like it. And when he sees something bigger than him, he doesn't think they're bigger than me. They're faster than me. He has one thing in mind, lunch. <laughs> the mentality of the lion is that he is the king. And the point is, the point is this. As a believer, if you don't know who you are, what Jesus has done for you, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, it says that we have been made. What have we been made? If you've been made something, that means you didn't work for it, couldn't become it. You've been made a king and a priest. You've been made a king. I mean, you didn't have to go to become a citizen of London uh, or marry into the royal uh, dynasty to become king. You did, you did something to, to be, or chosen to be in that that dynasty. But if you get born again, as soon as you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been made something that you can never perform, that you can never work for or ever do. You've been made a king and a priest. It all depends upon your mentality if that's going to be manifested. Woo. If you're good, man, you got to be, just study the lion. Just go home, get a National Geographic and start studying the lion. I mean, they are so cool. Even the, they, they're not the biggest. So the point is, what I'm telling you today, you may not be the sharpest knife. You may be a French fry short of a Happy Meal, but I'm telling you, honey, you've been made a king and a priest. It's what you think about yourself. I was so insecure as a kid. I was just, I got, I did stuff just because I... I wanted people to like me because of my insecurity and my short stature. I know it's hard to believe now because of how big I am, but I was so little. It's not the place to laugh. But anyway, I was so little. And so I, I, I acted big. I had a guy one time who weighed probably 75 pounds more than me, and we got into a fight, and he had me pinned to the ground. And you know what? I, did? I got him to get off, and he was scared of me. I said, if you don't let me up right now, when I get up out of this, there'll be a day that you wish that you never have saw me because I will hit you in the back of the head. I'll pick up the biggest rock. I'll do something to you. I will mess you up. He got off of me right away. He could have ate me for a snack. It's just what he thought. All of a sudden, he thought that Mike is, whew, he's he's. Bigger, better, and who he's, he's, ooh, I'm getting off. That's the mentality of the lion. Kids, I'm not saying that's a good thing, what I just said. That was an <laughs> illustrative 
illustrative purpose only. But when you know who you are in Christ and who your father is and what you've been made, I've been made righteous, I've been made whole, and I've been made prosperous in all of my soul. Do you know that? Because you only live up to your belief. What do you believe in? How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? Are you like the lion and you know, I'm not the biggest, I'm not the smartest, not the fastest, not the tallest, but I do know one thing, I'm a king. I'm a king. When we were in Africa last year, we uh, slept in this hut type thing on this game reserve. And right in the middle of the night, right in the middle of the night, all of a sudden I hear literally a pack of lions outside our door. And, and for, I don't know, I call it purring. I know cats purr, but it was like, I woke up and my eyes as big as saucers, you know, and, and I shake Melody, 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 there's lions right outside that door. And she's a Hagemeyer. They can go to sleep in 30 seconds. So once I woke her up, she went right back to sleep. Woke her up, she went back to sleep. Man, I am not sleeping. I was tempted to crack the door and I thought that may not be wisdom. <laughs> but they were right outside of our door and they had uh, the, the Maasai tribe. That's the tall, skinny guys that uh, they had one at each door with a staff, not an M, uh, M16 or AK-47 or any gun or revolver, a stick. <laughs> so the next morning, man, I was talking to these guys and I said, the lions and everything, did you say? Yeah. And one of them went inside to the, where we ate at. And he says, I had to chase him off. I went, <laughs> with what? <laughs> that. He knew and was not afraid of the lions. And I'm thinking, I would want a bazooka, a revolver, a machine gun, and, and four or 500 other guys around me and me being in the middle. Then I would feel safe. This guy had a stick. It's his mentality. For a believer, what is your mentality? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as always struggling, always getting by, barely making it, not smart enough? The children of Israel, when they were slaves in Egypt, they saw themselves as a slave. They have a slave mentality. Pharaoh was their king. You tell us what to do and we'll do it. That's, that's the way their life was. While they were still a slave, God says, I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. And in this land, you're going to live in houses you didn't build. You're going to drink from wells you didn't dig. And you're going to eat from vineyards you didn't plant. He says, I'm going to do this for you. That's called grace. You didn't deserve it, didn't do anything for it, couldn't do anything for it. You're a slave, but I'm going to do it for you. So God prophesied this to them. He said, this is my will for you. This was the will of God. But then we read in Numbers chapter 13, verse 33, they sent 12 spies into the land, one from each tribe. They sent 12 guys into the land. They spied it, and they brought back a report, and the report was, God was absolutely right. Wow, really? You think so? 
Yeah, he's right. There was a lamb flowing with milk and honey. They brought back a cluster of grapes that it took two men to carry. There are monster houses and, and wells and beautiful gardens. But there's also giants. There's also giants. And God said, I have given you this land and you're well able to possess it. I'm going to help you on this one. And this is what they said. Verse 33, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. So how did they see themselves? They saw themselves as a grasshopper, you know, that can be stunted on by a man, captured by a man, insignificant by a man, can be even eaten by a man. Yeah, I'm not into that, but I mean, you can't be eaten by a man. But this is, they had grasshopper mentality. And the Lord's saying the church has grasshopper mentality when it comes to the area of finances because of the way you see yourself. We look at our puny resources and think that I, I, I can never have enough. We look at what we can do and we're always going to fall short. But God is saying, quit looking at what you have or what you can do and start looking at what I have done and who I am. Are we held captive as a slave to our job as being the only means that we have uh, an income coming in or a source? Most people do. Most people do. God is wanting us to realize that he does not want us to have the grasshopper mentality when it comes to finances. And it's because how you see yourself. How you see yourself. Because I'm telling you, you may not be the sharpest. You may not have the greatest job. So, well, if I had a better job, if I had a higher IQ, I, was, I got some good trivia for you. Madonna, if you're not familiar with Madonna, just forget this illustration. I'm not going into it. But anyway, Madonna has a higher IQ than President Kennedy when he was alive. I don't know about you. No disrespect if she's watching. I would not vote for her as president. What am I saying? President Kennedy knew and had the confidence that he could run this country, make decisions for this country, and do what's best for this country. It's how he saw himself and thought as a president, even though his IQ was lower than Madonna. I'm telling you, we have limited ourselves because we don't think we're smart enough. Our IQ is not high enough. And it's because you, the way that you see yourself. Just remember this story. The lion's not the biggest. He's not the tallest. He's not the fastest. He's not the most intelligent. But he is still king. And God says, I have made you king, Mike. You are a king. And you need to think yourself and act like you're a king. And quit thinking in a poverty mentality. Quit thinking that the devil is really big. Quit thinking that this germ is really strong and mighty. Quit thinking that poverty can just come upon you. Quit thinking that way and start thinking like a king. To change the way that you live, it change the way that you act. 
And it will cause your belief system to be up here, and it will cause your life to be able to live up to that belief system. But if your belief system's right here, your life will never be up here. I don't care what the Word of God says. If this is what you believe, that's where you're going to live up to. Ooh. Our relationship with the Father is what makes the difference. In Luke chapter 12, verse 21, it says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So he didn't say that you couldn't have wealth stored up. He just said wealth stored up without the relationship with God, you're a fool. That's why Solomon fell. Solomon fell not because, you know, some people may think, well, he fell because of money. And I understand that because, you know, uh, all of these foreign wives that he had, they served foreign gods, and he was sucked into that. But Melanie and I were talking, and she said, well, you know, these foreign women probably wouldn't have been attracted to him if he didn't have all the money. And I said, yeah, I never thought of it that way. And if you're not having the right mentality about your heavenly father, this is what religion can do to you. Well, these women were there because of the money. And if you just trace it back, the reason he had money is because God gave it to him. And so your conclusion is it's God's fault. Really? You don't have a clue then about your heavenly father. People are going to fail not because they're prospering, not because they have healthy bodies, not because God's given them favor, abundant favor. That's not because uh, you can't say, well, I wouldn't have been in this mess if I didn't have all of this blessing upon my life. It's your choice. God's going to give you and has given you all things that pertain to life and to godliness. He's already done it. He has already done it. Now, it's up to you and to me is what the kind of choice we're going to make with that. And all I'm saying, this is their safety guard. David fell, not because he was so wealthy and because of that, his relationship with God just went off to the wayside. And God didn't kick him off and say, well, I'm done with you because you fell. You know, in the time of David, what he did, he should have been killed, murdered because of what he did. God didn't even, not only did he not kill him or have him killed, he didn't even take the throne away from him. He didn't even take the throne away from him. Yeah, he did confront him. But then in the New Testament, he says this about David. David is a man after my own heart. I'm telling you, God is so good. In Philippians, I want to bring out something today maybe you haven't seen. In Philippi, which is the city where the Philippian church was, at the time before Paul arrived there in one of his missionary journeys, Philippi, or the Philippians, were extremely poor, poor people, extreme poverty. And so when Paul brought them the gospel, uh, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, he said, Beloved ones, we must tell you about the grace of God poured out upon the churches of Macedonia. Underlying the grace 
God poured out. Just remember that phrase. Now, he says, remember about the grace of God poured out upon the churches of Macedonia. Well, you got to do a little bit of history searching. It says, what were the churches of Macedonia? The number one church of Macedonia was Philippi, or the Philippians. The second one was Thessalonica, and the third one started with a B. I'm not for sure what it was. But the number one church of the Macedonian area was Philippi. All right? So remember that. So he says in verse 2, For even during a season of severe difficulty and tremendous suffering, they became even more filled with joy from the depths of their extreme poverty. Now listen to the adjectives that he's putting in here. The depths of their extreme poverty... Superabundant joy overflowed into an act of extravagant generosity. So they went to the lowest of the lowest pit to the highest extravagant generosity. I mean, they just wasn't given change in the offering. They were given the folding kind and putting zeros behind the one. They were generous, extravagant in their giving from poverty. What caused that? What happened? Verse 1. I'm going to tell you about the grace God poured out upon the churches of Macedonia. Before I get into that, let me prove to you that the churches of Macedonia is the Philippian church. Philippians 4.15 says, Now you Philippians know also in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Acts 16, 12. And from there, this is Paul talking about his missionary journey. From there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of the part of Macedonia. Now, that should just clinch it for you. That the Macedonian church he's talking about is Philippi. He said a colony. And we were staying in the city for some days. So what Paul is saying is the church at Philippi. So the next time you read Philippians, you can probably read it in 20, 30 minutes. When you read the whole book, you need to know how and where they came from. They came from extreme poverty to extravagant giving and liberality. How did they do that? In verse 1, it says, I'm going to tell you about the grace God poured out upon the churches of Macedonia. You know, when I was in school, I, I loved math. And to go to take higher math, whether it's geometry, trigonometry, calculus, the foundational thing that you had to have was algebra. You could not take trig without algebra. You could not take geometry. Well, at least it was in my day. You could not take uh, geometry, trig, or calculus if you did not have algebra. That had to be your foundation. I like putting numbers together. I don't like putting letters together. It's easier for me with numbers. But the point is this. That is the foundation for everything else that you want to add to it. I'm here to tell you, I always thought the foundation for my prosperity was my giving. Don't get me wrong. Giving has a big part to play. But I'm here to tell you today that is not the foundation. It's what he said about the Philippian church in Macedonia. They went from extreme poverty to extravagant giving because of their foundation 
of knowing the grace of God. That'll keep self-righteousness out of your prosperity. I've worked hard. I've invested well. I've made wise decisions. I've done this. And now you're in self-righteousness when it comes to your finances. By my hand, I've done this. What Paul taught the Philippian church, what he taught them was that this is the foundation. It's the grace of Almighty God. What does that mean? He's given you something that you couldn't work for. I don't care how many hours you work for. He's given you and provided you something based upon what he has done. What he has done. Well, if you're not totally with me on that, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you have experienced the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. What kind of grace? Extravagant. That although he was infinitely rich, he impoverished himself for our sake. For whose sake? For yours. He impoverished himself for our sake so that by his poverty, we could become rich beyond measure. It wasn't because of our giving. I'm a pastor, so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, hey, we don't have to give anymore. <laughs> no, we're going to build the kingdom. Listen to me. We give because of what we know. We give because what has been done for us. We give because of what has been placed inside of us. That's why I give and have the ability to give. But we can't get the cart before the horse. I'm not going to give so I can become or get something. Come on, now this is so good. Well, I'm not giving so I can become rich. I'm giving because, honey, I know and I have seen that there is a richness inside of Mike Davis that has been called the grace of God. I give because of who I am and what I am, not because I am trying to become something. Woo! Because so much of my life, when I came into the charismatic and you thought about this, I thought, man, I'm going to give so I can become. I'm going to give because I need this and I'm going to give. And I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong. You better be given, but you better have the right motive and intention of why I'm given. It's the grace of God. That's why I'm already prosperous. I'm not trying to become prosperous. I'm not trying to become rich. I cannot get any richer than what I am. Boom. It was placed on the inside of me. Didn't have to work for it. Didn't have to do anything for it. Didn't have to live right for it. Oh, I didn't have to do anything. It was placed inside of me and I was made a king. It was placed inside of me and I was made a priest. The grace of God did that. The grace of God. So naturally, man, I'm so I'm going to always serve him. I'm going to always bless him because Mike could never attain. I never could do anything to get the security of, of making myself somebody. I have been made somebody because of him. Nothing because of what I do, can do, or am. I am what I am because of him. Not because I'm a preacher. Not because I'm a good guy. Not because of anything of Mike. It's because of him. And that was grace that was placed inside of me. I'm a prosperous man. Woo! And we say that's good news. So I don't try to, oh, I just need to become, I just want to become richer. I just want to be richer. I just want to be. No, my mentality is, woo, Mikey, 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 you are blessed, blessed, blessed. You are so prosperous. The grace of God oozes out of every pore in my DNA. 
but how do you see yourself? Are you a grasshopper? You're a poor grasshopper? The poorest of the poorest grasshoppers? Through his poverty. How did this happen? It says, through his poverty, I was made rich. 2 Corinthians 8 9. Let's pull it up again. I just, you got to get this in your soul. For you have experience. When did you experience the extravagant grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? When you see it manifested? No, the day that you accepted Jesus. That's when you experienced it. You experienced the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That although he was infinitely rich, what does that mean? There was no end to his riches. Wow, now that is rich. How I many you know Bill Gates and uh, who? Buffett. What's his first name? Warren. Warren Buffett. There, how many know there's an end to their, their riches? There's an end to it. But to Jesus, no end. I'm, I'm glad I'm part of that family. If you, if you could be a Buffett and you, you could Buffett all the way your finances. But if you're, and, but you're in a family that has no end to his riches. Extravagant grace, for grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although he was infinitely rich, he impoverished himself for our sake, for my sake. So why? So that by his poverty, we could become rich beyond measure. That just makes religion squelch, you know, like beyond measure. What does that mean? Can't measure. God is saying that this is the foundation for your prosperity. It's the algebra of, uh, of the living for God. This is the algebra. This is the foundation. You have to know that it is a foundational thing that it's the grace of God that through his poverty, through his poverty, I have been made something. And what was I made? I was made rich. Through his poverty, I've been made rich. And now that I'm rich, I can give abundantly and generously because I know who I am on the inside and what has been done for me. I don't have to be stingy. It's not the last $100 bill. It's not the last check that's in my checkbook and it's all over. I know that there's more and there's more and more and more because I have a heavenly father who doesn't care how much I have. And if my relationship with him is always intact, you're talking to God. And listen, what do I mean by relationship? That doesn't mean that, oh, uh, if I, I can never sin. Well, honey, forget that. He's not talking about that. He's just being able to say, having, being able to have an open communication with God. You talk to him. You just have an open communication. Obviously, David quit the communication because God told him, he says, if you wanted something else, you could have told me and I would have given you much, much more. Every person he says that to. Not, the problem is not on his end. The problem is on our end. Even when it comes to the prosperity, there's people, listen to me, this needs to be cut out of your prayer life. Lord, just bless me and provide for me more and just more. No, you need to cut that out. Philippians 4, 19, people quote that. My God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory through and in and by Christ Jesus. I have been blessed because of Jesus. 
It's a done deal. He's not going to come back down here and do something else. He did it 2,000 years ago. So I'm blessed, and I have been blessed, always was blessed. I've just never seen myself blessed. I've seen myself as a grasshopper. And there's giants in the land. There's giants in the land. And because there's giants in the land, I can't get that stuff. I can't get that, that you know, houses. Did you know that's a picture of grace? He says, I'm going to give you, God saying to the children, I'm going to give you houses you never built. You know what that means? Let me put it down to our turn. I can give you houses that you never made a house payment on. I can give you wells that that you never dug so you can drink from them. In other words, I can give you anything in life that that you need to sustain yourself. I've already given it to you. But if you do have grasshopper mentality, some theologians say there's as many as four to five million of children of Israel came out of Egypt to get into the promised land. He said that to all four to five million of them. Two went in. Two. Some people would have said, God, you messed up on that prophecy. No. It's the same today. He's provided everything for you and me has already provided everything for you and me 2,000 years ago. It's whether or not you and I are going to decide and choose to believe that I'm stepping in this. I'm going to walk in this because I believe this. And once you believe this, your life will come up to what you believe. Your life will come up to what you believe. I said your life will come up to what, honey, it's about time. And if you keep coming to this church, I will be preaching to you and I'll be preaching to Mike. And together we will grow and lift up our standard of living and raise up our eyes from which our help comes from. And we'll understand that God is more than enough and we have more than enough. And it's about time for the church to walk in the reality of we already have victory, not trying to attain it. I already have been healed, not trying to attain it. Already been blessed, not trying to attain it. It's mine. And I don't have to pay for it. Let's stand.